Welcome to Inside Athletic Training, a podcast from the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainer Society and the ultimate destination for athletic training professionals, students, and educators looking to learn more about sports medicine and athletic training. In each episode, we'll dive headfirst into conversations with experts in the field, bringing you insights, stories, and cutting-edge information about athletic training and sports medicine. This week on Inside Athletic Training, we welcome in Joel Harris, the minor league medical coordinator for the Boston Red Sox. Enjoy the show. All right, Joe, welcome to Inside Athletic Training. Uh, Super excited to have you on the show for episode 39. Uh, You're currently the minor league medical coordinator uh, for the Boston Red Sox organization. Um, You spent almost eight years with the club, and we'll get into all things your career here in a bit, but... uh, Share with the listeners first, if you don't mind, a little bit about your background. You know, tell us where you're from, uh, what you were into growing up in terms of sports, and also how you found your passion for athletic training. Yeah, hey Sam, uh, thanks for thanks for doing this, uh, putting on this podcast and anything. Uh, you know, just wanted to say thank you from the start. This has been been awesome. So, um, grew up in a small small town in Vermont, uh, way up north. Um, I jokingly have to tell players all the time that it is, it is a real state. So, um, grew up there. I, I was playing baseball and soccer through basically through high school um i kind of have that um that funny athletic training uh moment where i was playing high school soccer we were in a state championship and i got tackled hurt my shoulder and and after the game our our baseball coach told me that i had to get my shoulder right for baseball season so Mm -hmm. so from there i dug deep you know figured out how to make my shoulder feel better and and that was really my my starting point of getting into athletic training so um really worked, worked hard throughout, throughout high school to keep myself on the field. And then, you know, kind of called it quits after high school and, you know, hung up the career in both baseball and soccer to focus on athletic training and undergrad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally makes sense. We hear from so many of your colleagues across the league that it's, uh, you know, their first injury in high school led them to the training room, led them to meet someone who kind of had an influence on them and, and just kind of figured it out from there. So, uh, cool to hear you've had kind of a similar experience. Um, and I want to, I want to start by talking a bit about your career, uh, before you got into professional baseball. So you have a ton of experience at the internship level, including time in a high school setting, uh, internship at Villanova, working with baseball and football, but also a grad assistant athletic trainer at the University of Kentucky, uh, where you worked with even different sports and gymnastics, golf, dance team. Um, so a ton of like well-rounded experience there before making the move to pro baseball. Um, share a little bit with the listeners about those formative years as you know, you're an intern and a grad assistant um, and what it was like, you know, working in different sports and, and how that kind of shaped you as an athletic trainer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I always say that it started with um, a summer internship that I did with the Cape Cod baseball league um, during my time in undergrad. So I went to a small D three school outside of Boston called Endicott college Mm-hmm. Um, from there, it was you know similar to a small town feel. Um, really, um, really good manual therapy techniques. We had a lot of really good learning environments with the athletic training education. But this time with the Cape Cod League really opened my eyes to you know I don't want to say bigger and better things, but bigger baseball, bigger you know different schools and the resources that they had. So from there, it was really figuring out how I can get to that. And, you know, basically start building my career as an athletic trainer coming out of undergrad. So 
Um, I was fortunate enough to do an internship at Villanova University. Um, you know, like you mentioned, I worked with baseball and football. Um, had a really great experience there. Had a really, really great staff that I worked with of Lenny Courier and Tyler Waite, um, who are actually still there. And fortunately, I got to see Lenny a, a couple weeks ago. Um, but that was just, you know, this this first stepping stone to this, you know, bigger, quote unquote, bigger, bigger school moving out of the D3 school. And, you know, like I said, I had an awesome experience. Um, from there, I went on to University of Kentucky. Um, I wanted to work baseball. I wanted to work football. I wanted this you know, big D1 experience. And, you know, that just wasn't in the cards. Um, I looking back on it, I was, I was so fortunate to take the position with the gymnastics teams because it really just opened my eyes to uh, what a different world could be like. And, you know, quite frankly, I had no experience with gymnastics. I had, you know, no, no reason to be there, but um, the experience that I had had as an autonomous athletic trainer at Villanova really set me up well to, work with my own sport at the university of Kentucky, which was, you know, absolutely amazing. So, uh, worked with some great, you know, leading, leading industry leaders there. Uh, Tim Wool, who is one of the educator program educators at that time, uh, great shoulder research researcher, um, as well as the director of uh, sports medicine, Jim Madalino. Those were, those were two people that I still keep in contact with today. And now that you've had experience in professional baseball for, like I said, nearly eight years with the Red Sox specifically, um, you know, what are some of the biggest differences that you noticed, I guess, working in professional baseball settings versus kind of working at the collegiate level at major universities, like the experiences you had at Villanova and Kentucky? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and it's it's fun to talk with post, post-drafted college guys is, <laughs> you know, just talking about the, the, the nature that baseball is your career and it's, it's more of a long-term mm-hmm. development. So one of the interesting things that you know, I gained and I learned from my time at University of Kentucky with the gymnastics teams was doesn't matter if you're hurt, doesn't matter what's going on, get them to play, get them mm-hmm. on the mat, get them into competition. You know, we had athletes that had ankle sprains that were still doing bars. They were, there was different injuries that you could still participate 70, 80% and still be relatively functional. Mm-hmm. So that was a really, okay, you have three to four years in college get the best out of every single athlete during those times where the transition into the professional baseball has been, was very different for me after that, because it's, it's not always that it's okay. We can take an extra, extra week to make sure this person's ready. It's not always, this needs to be done right now. It's let's make sure that they're ready to go for the next 10 years of their career. Yeah. Such a good point there, you know, baseball and even especially where you work at the minor league level as a coordinator um, it's so much development it's so much you know looking forward to the future but like you said if you have a senior um, on your team you know golf or gymnastics they need to play because there might be only a a couple weeks left in the season or something like that so definitely makes sense there that's a great point Um, in addition to the development aspect like you mentioned um, I want to talk a bit about the resources. So I know college athletic training, uh, you know, programs and, and staffs might be a bit smaller, maybe not depending on the university size you're at. Um, how did things compare kind of at the collegiate setting, um, in terms of resources you have, uh, just to learn, to get better your craft compared to what you have, uh, at the pro baseball level? Yeah, I think just the, the resources are allocated differently, um, I know that my time in both of the universities, there's there's different athletic trainers just covering multiple sports, which you know, I, I hate to say maybe lessen the quality of, of care, but really just mm-hmm. lessen the quality of that the athletic trainer is available for each athlete. 
Um, and that's a huge different with huge difference with professional baseball is, you know, fortunately with the Red Sox, ever since my time here, we've always had our assistant athletic trainers. We've all, we've always had a large staff from bottom to top and having that amount of people is really going to help with the quality of care of, of all the athletes. So, you know, I, I'd like to say that the resources have improved, but, you know, seeing the differences in colleges, um, you know, fortunately, there is more resources, there is more time and modalities and, and all of the added resources that are, are being added to all of the different athletic training departments, which is yeah. Uh, obviously the Yeah, totally makes sense. And you guys have had um, one of the larger staffs for, you know, years and years led by Brad Pearson, Brandon Henry and the guys there. Um, you guys do an awesome job, but you do have so many people on deck that can really make things go. So that's, that's definitely a plus at the, at the big league level as well. Um, one thing that, you know, we're getting into hiring season for a lot of clubs in athletic training, looking for interns, looking for people in the DR, looking for, you know, all types of different athletic trainers looking to break into the game. Um, one thing I'm excited to hear from your perspective is your story about how you did get into pro baseball. So you had a ton of experience in college, different sports, uh, share your story about how you broke in with the Red Sox and and got into pro baseball. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at that, that second half of my time at Kentucky, you know, I knew I wanted to get back into baseball. Um, I absolutely loved my time with gymnastics, but it was, it was time to get back to, back to baseball. So, you know, just looking into different opportunities, the hard part that I ran into at that time where a lot of these job posting on PBATs and, and different job postings were all start dates at the beginning of spring training. And I was set to graduate in May. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a hard time wrapping my head that, Hey, this, this might just not be in the cards for me. Um, so I actually was applying to a lot of different football teams and doing internships in, in the football world. And, and quite frankly, you know, I always say that not getting any of those positions and not getting callbacks was the most beneficial thing for me. Cause I was having you know dinner with one of our mentors and I said, just apply to these PBAC internships, these assistant programs and see what happens. Um, luckily, I, I shot an email out to Brandon Henry. I got an email back within a couple of days and a couple of days after that, after a, a set of interviews, got an assistant position with, with the Red Sox. So, um, you know, that's always something that I like to tell people that don't really know how to break into it is, you know, send some emails out, apply for jobs. You know, honestly, there's a lot more open uh, flexibility in these positions than a lot of people know. Yeah, that's a great point and super helpful for all the students out there listening who are are getting into that time where they're trying to figure out uh, how they break in. You know, we heard a ton of different stories about how people got into the game, but the one thing that remains most consistent is that you just have to go try it. You have to go be persistent. And, and if you want it bad enough, you'll find a way to break in. Um, like, you know, you guys have have mentioned so many times, um, piggybacking off that answer, uh, you know, you broke into baseball with the Red Sox. Um, but you, like we said, a number of times you have experience in a ton of sports, but when did you officially kind of discover or realize, um, that baseball was what you wanted to get into, or was it kind of just what was available? Um, and you jumped in head first. Yeah. I I think it's a, a combination of a bunch of different kind of moments throughout my career. Um, like I said, my, my come to athletic training moment was a, a bum shoulder. So I took a lot of time myself fixing my shoulder, going through physical therapy and, and really diving into deep through diving deep into education through both my undergrad and graduate work of how the intricate shoulder works. So a lot of that really pushed me towards baseball. And, and I really liked the chronic puzzle, trying to figure out how baseball players can get back on the field. So I think that's something that really drew me to it. 
the big part that I always like to tell people is through my graduate work and my internship program, I did work basically by myself as an athletic trainer. I, I did have mm-hmm. oversight in both positions, but it was a very autonomous position. And quite frankly, after those three years, I wanted to work as part of a staff. I wanted to learn. Um, so looking at this assistant program with the Red Sox at the time, it was uh, very well known that it was a great educational position. There's a lot of learning to do. And quite frankly, you're, you're working with the best in the organizations and all of the organizations in this, in this organization that uh, has a really longstanding history with this, with this position. Yeah, definitely a, a great group of people. You know, we mentioned Brad Pearson, Brandon Henry, um, so many almost iconic athletic trainers, Brad specifically, he's been with the Red Sox for so many years and, and just done an awesome job there. So Definitely in a good position to learn from those men and women uh, out in Boston. Um, You know, speaking of your role with the Red Sox, uh, excited to hear a bit more about it. Um, A lot of people, you know, know the Major League Baseball athletic trainers, the people they see in the dugout, uh, but no less about the the coordinators and affiliate athletic trainers. So um, share a bit about your role as the minor league medical coordinator um, and kind of the main duties and responsibilities that come with the job. Yeah. So I actually wrote down a list of responsibilities just to kind of remind <laughs> myself um, of all the different things that get put on our plate. But um, you know, the couple of things that I've written down is, is just basically injury uh, prevention, injury surveillance, pretty much anything that has to do with the athletes getting injured. So, um, you know, on top of that, it's, it's basically physical screening. It's making sure that guys are ready to go for the season. Uh, that happens during the season, uh, throughout spring training, as well as in the end of the season on preparing off season goals. Um, another big part of it is medical reviews, both for the draft and free agents. Um, and then on top of it, it's, it's the front office communication and, and making sure that everybody's aware of, of what's going on. So, a lot of different responsibilities and there's a lot of branches off of each of those, but um, you know, every day is a little bit different because you know, you're fielding phone calls, you're um, basically being a a trauma specialist and and Mm -hmm. figuring out who, what, and um, how to best basically make your day as as productive as we can make it. Yeah. Such an important role that you're in, obviously kind of like a liaison to the big league club and the front office with the minor league affiliates, just so much going on. Um, now that the regular season has ended both major league and minor league for the Red Sox, um, walk us through kind of what the off season is like for someone in your position as a minor league medical coordinator. I know you're super involved with managing the affiliates, communicating up and down the organization, also hiring for internships and things like that. Um, what else is going on in, in your day-to-day life? Yeah, so we, we always joke that there's really no off-season um, because, quite frankly, people still get hurt. So <laughs> sure. um, there's you know, still the, the day-to-day of being uh, an athletic trainer and, and being hands-on with, uh, with the athletes that we have down here at the complex. So we have rehabbers. We have you know guys going through off-season training programs. Um, so we have a good amount of players here, which is kind of the fun day to day, making sure that these guys are, are prepping, ready to go for 2024. Um, as mentioned before, you know, hiring is a big part of this year. So um, getting a lot of interviews in, I think, you know, I jokingly said last year, I did over 50 different interviews for all the different positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the biggest thing is is improving our programming and just building off of the ideas that we come up with through the season. So um, all of these, programs and protocols that you know somebody wants to elaborate on and you know we start the development process during the season and, and quite frankly it's it's hard to develop those just with the time constraints that we have 
So this is a really good time for us to sit down with our performance group with our major league medical and, and we can start ironing out our plans that we'll start for next year. On top of that, you know, when you're going through each day and, and just kind of working through your tasks, is there something about the medical coordinator position um, that you really are most passionate about or is it kind of everything that you mentioned previously? Yeah, I, I think the big the big thing is, is being a manual therapist and the hands-on approach with the athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my biggest things that I love to do is, is obviously the rehab side of things and conservative management. Um, getting these guys back on the field and, and figuring out a way to do that is, is what makes athletic training the most fun. Um, I really love the education side of it. So any player that's injured will go through anatomy, will go through the mechanics of how the elbow works and, and why they're specifically having pain. Um, and then breaking down the puzzle of, you know, anything else that can be connected that is really going to influence the problem that we're facing. So um, basically helping them understand what's going on with them as well as teaching them how we can move forward and how to be better. I think one that helps them gain trust in the process and, and two, it helps them gain trust in me. So that's one of my, my favorite parts of the day is, is, you know, just really working one-on-one with the players. And speaking of that trust you mentioned, you're managing such a huge piece of the athletic training role with the Red Sox and the entire organization. Um, you know, you have your hands on the pulse of every affiliate. You're communicating up to Brad in the front office and, and things like that. Um, on a day-to-day basis during the season, I'm interested to hear what's your communication like um, <clears throat> with all the affiliates? Is it, it it seems like, you know, you could be on your phone 24-7 if you had to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the hard part is, is trying not to be on your phone for 24 um, seven. <laughs> so it's, it's managing different personalities in different situations um, as needed. So it's, it's kind of this, this fun approach to always figuring out what situation basically needs to do what. So who needs to be aware of it? So if, if this is just a minor league player, it needs to go to front office and basically other coordinator coaching staff. If it's a, if it's a 40 man guy, then, you know, bringing it up to the chain to the major league group. Um, so the hard part is figuring out who needs to know what, and then also who needs to be a part of the decision um, or if it's just basically giving information. So I think a lot of part of the coordinator job is, is simply that it's, it's coordinating these situations, but also just dissipating information to front office doctors, other coordinators, as well as our affiliate staff. Um, just in making sure that everybody's on the same page and and that we can make an enlightened decision altogether. And you're kind of the the person that brings it all together. And in my nearly you know 15 years or so of working with PBATs and then guys like you, um, I've learned that the medical coordinator position is just so incredibly valuable that a lot of the people in those positions are kind of I don't want to say next in line to to get to the big leagues or make a push there, but you do see that a lot. Um, I'm wondering. In your opinion, um, is there a normal path that one would take to become a medical coordinator, or is it kind of you know it depends on what's going on in your organization and what experience you have? Uh, what kind of insight can you share with the listeners about the path to becoming a medical coordinator? Yeah, so I don't think there's an easy or an exact approach to it. Um, my personal uh, personal path was very untraditional in the sense of. Uh, you know, you basically go to each affiliate level and then say get to double A AA or triple A and then become a coordinator from there. Um, mm-hmm. So mine was a little important. Um, I, I came here as an assistant in the short season. I spent two years 
as in full-time with short season in, in Lowell, Massachusetts, and then became assistant coordinator in, in 2019. So I always jokingly say I, I never made it out of short season. Um, <laughs> so over, over the past couple of years, I've, I've made my, you know, even high A, double A, triple A debut as a coordinator. Um, so I, I would say, yes, there's, there's no traditional path. I think the biggest thing that front offices and, and head athletic trainers look for these positions are somebody that's just, you know, basically can relate to the situations that can communicate effectively as well as somebody that's just quite frankly organized. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, there's a lot of different responsibilities that as long as you have your to-do list and can keep organized and get things done, that's, that's really all that matters for these positions. Yeah. Whether it's talking to, you know, Ryan DePamphlo who leads the staff of the Diamondbacks in the world series right now, or yourself or anybody, I find that, you know, everyone says communication both up and down is, is absolutely crucial. Um, being able to decipher what's important to share, what's not important is, is really important as well. So, uh, cool to hear you echo that statement. Um, I want to take it back a bit to, to when you were coming up as a younger athletic trainer, whether that's when you're broken with the Red Sox or in college, um, did you have a couple people or, or someone in mind who really showed you the ropes and became a huge mentor for you? Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll kind of use this example cause this is kind of a fun one. Um, you know, obviously everybody going through undergrad and all of their education work, you know, they read the, the doctors, Andrews, they read the Kibblers, um, all of these mm-hmm. big world doctors. Um, you know, fortunately over my time with the Red Sox, we've had a great relationship with Dr. Andrews. So, um, over these past couple of years, we've, we've, we've just built a really good relationship and, um, Jeremy over there in, in Pensacola has, has been an awesome part of, you know, helping us out and, and getting things done. So, um, those are, those are a big influence for me just as a educational standpoint, as, as well as building into my, my professional career. Um, but some of the names I mentioned before, um, Jim Madalino, I actually got to see, uh, last week uh, at the University of Kentucky, he's, he's the director of sports medicine. He's he's climbed his way up even since um, I was there. He used to be the the head football for a n- number of years. Um, but the big thing that I learned from him was, you know, uh, I hate to say it, a, a shut up and work mentality. <laughs> of, doesn't it doesn't matter what you have to do, just get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I, I've really taken along with myself. Is it doesn't matter how good of a job you're doing, just just get the work done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's been a huge beneficial and a mantra that I've held tight over, over the past couple of years. Um, the other huge influence I had at university of Kentucky was Tim. Uhl. Uh, like I mentioned, he's a, a big shoulder researcher. He was my, uh, my mentor through my graduate work. Um, and just, you know, honestly, a, a really good friend that we've stayed in touch with. Um, and then a couple of just names from Villanova, Lenny Courier, a long time, athletic trainer Villanova worked in the NBA for a ton of years. And, uh, and then Tyler Waite, who is the football athletic trainer at Villanova. These, these guys have been uh, a huge part of my upbringing and the time. And um, just to move on from that, I mean, the people that I work with at the Red Sox, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, Brad Pierce and Henry, who gave my start here. Uh, those guys have been awesome and, and they've really helped me develop as an athletic trainer. And at this point in your career, I know you just mentioned, you know, shut up and do the work. In in other words, you know, just getting it done is is hugely important. Yeah. Um, clearly, you've done that uh, up to this point of your career and will continue to do so. Um, so outside of that piece of advice, when you're talking to college students who want to break in or are just looking for an edge, looking for a way to get into pro sports, um, is there one piece of advice uh, that you would give them, whether that's, you know, developing a skill education wise or a personality trait or something like that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, 
you know, I hate to say it, it's the right personality is going to be the right fit, but that's, that's such a big factor. And, you know, I'm sure you're on this podcast, you've heard a ton of people say, you know, have some feel. And, and this, this word mm-hmm. feel is such hard in baseball is it's, it's really how players can, uh, you know, see you as an individual, see you as a clinician, but also just, you know, see you as somebody that's going to help them. Yeah. Um, it's you know, having that understanding of how do we get the work done? How do we move forward with this rather than being somebody that's going to showboat the situation? It's let's do this together. And, you know, if we get it right, we get it right. Um, I think that's a big thing. And, you know, quite frankly, I always joke, you know, I, I wish somebody had told me have some feel in my early days. <laughs> you know, I have this, this big ego and, you know, got myself in trouble for it. But I think over the years that, you know, probably still there a little bit, but, um, you know, having some feel and, and basically continuing with my education and time frame has been has been really helpful. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot from from people in your position who've been in the game for a while that breaking in can be quite humbling. Everybody comes in, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed, ready to uh, change the world. But ultimately, you know, people like Brad and Brandon have been in the game so long, you're not gonna, you know, you got to learn from those guys and figure out, you know, exactly like you said, how to fit in, when to talk, how to build relationships and all that stuff is it's almost like, you know, Todd Tomzik, who when we had him on from the Pirates, he said it's it's almost like being a, a therapist or a psychologist. And sometimes guys just want to talk to you and be a normal yeah. human being. So it's it's good to hear that, you know, you feel the same way. I know that's so important for athletic trainers. Um yeah. and speaking to uh the future generation of of athletic trainers, you you mentioned earlier, you know, maybe 50 plus interviews. There's just so much going on hiring-wise for you right now. Um when you guys are looking for interns for minor league athletic trainers at affiliates or, or for any position within the Red Sox, um, what does that process look for, like for you? Um, share some insight into what uh, you know a potential applicant might might be going through when they kind of maybe get a first interview or even applying. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I look for, and I was talking about this with actually an applicant the other day, um, is I know it's kind of cheating to say this, but previous experience. Um, so somebody that has a history of, you know, working at a professional baseball team, obviously, if they have, you know, mm-hmm. some type of pro sports or a higher, um, a higher education type of experience, they're going to have that, you know, quote unquote, feel and understanding of, of what it's going to take to be able to be successful in the positions that we have. Um, so I, I think that's a big thing that I look for is, is somebody that's willing to learn and grow and, and the people that do say unpaid internships or, um, something that's going to bridge that gap like I did with the Villanova internship. It's, it's just showing that, Hey, this, this person wants to do this. They're ready to go. Um, so mm-hmm. having that experience and, and having that knowledge of what the day to day is going to, is going to look like is going to be super helpful for transitioning into the actual day to day and understanding that, Hey, just shut up and work. Like I said before, it's yeah. you know, going through the, um, you know, quite frankly, just, you know, having that experience is, is super helpful. And when you, we talked to a lot of, uh, a lot of your colleagues, like I mentioned on the show, and, and we asked them, you know, what's more important? Is there hands-on experience working with a professional team versus education, brilliant in the textbooks? What advice would you have for students? You know, I'm, I'm sure some people are struggling to get experience. It's kind of a catch-22. You, you need it, but you can't get it because you don't have it. Um, but in terms of like getting hands-on experience versus more education, is there something that's more important or is it kind of, you know, you need to have both? Uh, I think there needs to be a happy medium. Um, we always like to say that we can teach the skills. We can make somebody a better athletic trainer, but that personality that 
willingness to learn is going to be a big part of it. So I understand that's, that's not always hard to get, but it's just getting experiences. So if that's working for, you know, a local, uh, doing a local PBATS internship or working for, you know, just uh, an indie ball team, that's going to give you an experience that is basically second to none in the sense of understanding what that day-to-day looks like and just being a part of it. I think those people too, that come out of those positions realize that, Hey, this is for me. And, and a lot of what I tell our applicants is, is sometimes people just don't like baseball after going a, a full year of it. And I think the people that obviously like baseball and want to keep doing it are the people that uh, have been here for 15, 16 years. But quite frankly, you know, it's, it's a difficult sport. It's a difficult time frame, mm-hmm. and, and quite frankly, grind. So if people can't handle that, then it, it's hard to stay in it. So mm-hmm. I, I think the recommendation is, is, is take what you can get and you know, every experience is going to be a positive experience if you can make it that way. Yeah. And one more piece about the hiring process that I'd love to get your take on is, you know, when you sit back and you interview someone, you know, a couple of years ago, five, six years ago, even, or you're just working with people in the organization, is there something about the people who rise and continue to, to make moves toward the big leagues? Um, is there any commonalities or a certain skill or or something, um, or maybe it's just having feel like you said, and being a great person and a hard worker, uh, anything about those individuals who kind of rise to the top that, that you've seen and, and could share with the listeners. Yeah. I think it's a couple of things that you mentioned. It's the hard workers. It's, it's the people that have that quote unquote feel, but it's also the people that are just willing to learn, uh, that are willing to just sit back and listen rather than trying to always be the first person to talk. Um, I think those are the people that are going to really, uh, learn how to, have feel and have that ability to mm-hmm. progress as an athletic trainer just by learning around the people around, excuse me, learning by uh, just basically watching them with the people around them. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. something that I, when I see people doing is, you know, they'll, they'll stand over and just watch somebody do an evaluation. That's, that's learning, that's education. So mm-hmm. um, those people that are going to step up to the forefront and, and make themselves accessible, I think are going to be the most successful. Yeah. And one person I can't uh, can't let you off the show without talking about is Brad Pearson. So we had Brandon Henry on the show um, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, we talked about what an icon Brad is, um, just built the program um, from the top to the bottom, just a, an icon in Boston. Wondering from your perspective of someone who's in a hugely important role with the club, uh, but not with him, you know, every day in the dugout. Um, what has it been like learning and getting to know Brad Pearson as an athletic trainer, but also as a person? Yeah, I, I, I'll start by saying that Brad and I are both Vermont natives. So uh, we've always shared that bond and, and everybody mm-hmm. jokes about our, our love for maple syrup. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, the best thing with Brad is, you know, we can always bounce things off of him because he's, he's seen everything. So um, our rehab coordinator, Kevin Avila, will just call Brad and we'll say, Hey, what do you think about this? We, we haven't seen this before. We've, We've only been around for a few a few years, Brad. What do you what do you got on this? So, um, mm-hmm. just the the information that he can provide, and basically just the skill and excellence of of who he is as a clinician is is above and beyond you know really um, anybody else that I've worked with in the past. So, having him and being able to bounce information off him, and and being able to work hand in hand with him to develop different protocols to help shape how the Red Sox does things is, has been really fun so far. So, 
Um, mm. you know, I, I definitely value that relationship. Yeah, well, Joel, this has been awesome. Uh, you shared so much quality information that I, I know students will get a lot from, but also young professionals who who want to break into the game can take forward. Uh, to wrap up today's episode, we're going to finish with a quick Q&A segment that we call Extra Bases. So I'm going to ask four quick questions and uh, let you share some insight into your favorite things about athletic training and baseball. So we'll kick it off at first base. Um, you've made a handful of stops along the way. Um, you mentioned getting in uh, with the Red Sox, um, you know, almost, uh, you know, getting towards a decade now. Um, what was your favorite athletic training room to work in along the way uh, as you kind of worked your way toward the Red Sox job? Yeah, so I'll kind of go back and say that, you know, like I said, I never made it out of short season. So I'm going to change the, the narrative on this one a little bit. And I'm going to say the worst athletic training. There we go. I'm Feel sure free. People <laughs> one. So uh, Vermont Lake Monsters, um, you know, an old, old bar park, you know, terrible athletic training room. <laughs> Obviously, I grew up there, grew up going to games there and best hotel, best city, but one of the worst, one of the worst clubhouses. So, um <laughs> I had to change that a little bit. I made myself laugh putting that one down on paper. No, that, that's that's a good one. Always, always good to get unique perspectives. And the whole point of this is to kind of hear uh, different experiences from athletic trainers. And you definitely had a, a different road. So it's cool to hear. Um, moving on to second base now. Um, you guys have, uh, you might you might change the narrative on this one as well, since you didn't spend uh, as much time in the dugout and you have experience in so many sports. But uh, what's your favorite baseball stadium or kind of sports stadium to watch a game in uh, from a great vantage point as an athletic trainer? Yeah, so it's hard not to pick Fenway Park here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, fortunately, I had a few games under my belt up there, and there's there's really no, no place better. I mean, I, I grew up going to Fenway Park. Um, it's just really a special place every time you're walking uh, walking on that field or into the dugout. So I, I would say that's my, my pick, obviously. Uh, my second one, another short season, um, at Staten Island, um, that mm-hmm. view of New York City in the in the right field is is was really always my favorite. So I had to pick that one for this. Yeah, I think uh, the majority of people who come on the show say it's Fenway Park. It's just so historic. It's that or Wrigley, and, and you really can't beat it. Just the history there. So um, and getting on to third base here, one of the cities that everyone mentions is indeed Boston. Um, but what is your favorite city to visit on the road when traveling? Yeah, so two of our affiliates are, are my top choice, uh, Greenville, South Carolina, and Portland, Maine. Um, I'm a big food guy, so when I go to different affiliates, different cities, I'll you know have a couple different restaurants that I want to want to check out. So um, have some good staples in both of those places. So those are those are my two picks. And moving on to home plate, the last question for today. Um, like I said a bunch of times today, you've been in the game for a long time, super experienced, huge role with the club. Um, but when you broke in with the Red Sox, uh, maybe this is, um, you know, spring training or, or anything that you worked, did you have a welcome, uh, to pro baseball moment during your first year? Yeah. So my first year is, is athletic training coordinator. Spring training was really just a smack to the face. Um, so kind of looking back on that, I had been coordinator for a couple of years, assistant coordinator before a couple of years before that, but that first year as you know, running that show in spring training was was really that that moment of oh boy what did I get myself into so <laughs> uh, that was another point that I made earlier um, you know just the the Dr Andrews communication and relationship I mean the fact that you know I'll get a phone call every once in a while from him just to just to chat about a player or we talk about 
um, a different situation. That's been a really cool moment to build that relationship in my career. Yeah, that's awesome. And he's he's an icon, probably the most legendary doctor in the field. And and you see him on the sidelines at Alabama games and everything. So I'm sure it's amazing just to to talk to him and build that relationship. So uh, we appreciate you sharing that and all your stories. Um, also appreciate your time today, your dedication to PBATS, athletic training, and, and we hope to have you on again soon. Awesome, Sam. Thanks so much for taking the time. This was fun. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Inside Athletic Training. We hope you've gained valuable insights, inspiration, and knowledge to fuel your athletic training journey. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And also, stay connected with us on pbats.com for more news about athletic training and sports medicine.